What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a passionate member of the hospitality space. She sees design through a very unique lens. She's highly skilled at interior design. She's an associate and the director of business development at Looney Associates. Ladies and gentlemen, Molly McDonald. Welcome, Molly. Thanks, Dan. Thrilled to be here. It's so good to have you on. And I know um, we had Jim on, who's just been in the industry forever and ever and ever. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you, because we get so much feedback from um, people who are just starting out their career journey. And you've been at Looney for 13 years now. Yes. And I think what's super interesting about you in particular is you, I think you've been at every office. So like you've gone from Chicago to Dallas to Hawaii and back to Dallas, correct? And you missed a, a second stint in Chicago as well. Oh, and back to Chicago, <laughs> always back to Chicago. Uh huh. All roads lead to Chicago. So Molly, how do you define hospitality? I had no idea you were going to ask me this, Dan. I knew you knew you knew I was going to ask you because I ask everyone. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this a lot since we started talking about this. And um, what's interesting to me is because in tandem of thinking about this and thinking about my career, um, my definition of hospitality would have changed depending on, on when we uh, we had this conversation. And, um, you know, in the beginning, hospitality wasn't uh, a verb, right? It wasn't a thing you did. It was a space that I designed within. And so the idea of starting a career in hospitality design was really about all the cool things I get to do with design. Really nothing to do with the hospitality industry per se, as I know it now. And then as I've gone through my career and moved through different um, design communities within the country, I've really come to think of hospitality as community. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with my time in Hawaii and how uh, important it is to, you know, work together and how we help each other and, you know, how deep and supportive this industry is across the board. Um, whether it's, you know, just looking at it from a loony level, working out of all three offices, how community-based my company is versus our industry versus outside of the design hospitality industry. Um, it's just wonderful to just see everybody come together. So um, I know there's a whole other side to hospitality, but to me, how I define hospitality is, is community. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Thank you for asking. I think what I wanted to tap into this conversation with you is you're never stuck in a bucket. Yes. Right? Yes. So I'm really curious how you went from studying design, practicing design, and then wound up on the business development side, because I think it's a pretty unique journey. And I think it could help give others experience about like how they navigate what their next steps might be. Absolutely. Um, so when I graduated college, I was supposed to graduate in 09, which was not a great time for designers to find a job, especially in hospitality. 
Um, and so I took a little bit of a victory lap and stayed till 2010. And um, after I graduated, did not have a job. And I thought, well, I could you know, move back home and do the whole at home thing, whatever. Or I could go to Chicago, work at a bar and try to find a job in Chicago. There's a little bit more hospitality there than there was in Detroit, you know, 13 mm -hmm. years ago. And I got very lucky and fortunate and uh, landed my job at Looney Dallas. And um, I was one of the few in my graduating class who had got a job at a design firm right away. And so my goal was to dig my roots in as deep in that company as I could so that it would be very hard for them uh, to let me go. And uh, 13 years later, my roots are really deep. <laughs> and it would yeah. be um, hard to extricate myself. But, you know, it was what kind of led me down my path, like you mentioned, of going from Chicago to Dallas and uh, back to Chicago and trying new things and developing my design and working with all the different, very talented designers we've had at the company over these past 13 years. Um, and then finding my interest when I lived in Hawaii in business development and brand growth. Um, which has led me to do this globally. Cool. And then, so when you were in high school or at, Mich or at Michigan State, at what point did you know that design was a career that you wanted to travel down? So when I was younger, this is very odd, um, my parents would get Southern Living, Southern Living magazines <laughs> and uh, they always had those spec home plans in them. Mm -hmm. And every time we got a new issue, I would take it to the basement and I would get out my Legos and I would like build this, not build it from the exterior, but really more to the interior layouts and the interior plan of that house with my Legos. Um, and my parents thought it was such an odd thing for me to do. And so my dad started talking to me about architecture and introducing me to the profession of architecture. Um, and so I thought that's what I wanted to do when I graduated high school. And I had taken some classes. I was fortunate in high school that they had some gifted and talented programs where you could uh, sort of follow your passions. And so I did a little bit of interior design and architecture in high school. Um, and so then that really transitioned into, you know, all right, let's figure out what I'm doing and you know, what I'm getting a degree in. Um, mm. I thought it was going to be architecture. I learned very quickly that that was not the route for me um, and pivoted to interior design. And I'm very thankful for that. For wow. That. I love Southern Living Mag. Wait, where did you grow up? In Detroit. <laughs> okay, so what, what's up with the Southern Living magazines no, in Detroit? I, I knew you were from Michigan. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what uh, prompted my parents to have that subscription, um, but I'm thankful for it. It was fun, right? Wow, that's that's super super awesome. Okay, so so then you're you're studying. You get your degree. You, you're lucky enough to get a job. Um, on the heels of the big of the great financial crisis, right? Um, so then you're you're going around and you're you're working in, in all the various offices and working on some great projects. Mm -hmm. Give us like some of your your top two or three favorite projects that you worked on. Um, well, my favorite one, the first one, was Grand Hyatt New York, the suites there. Oh. It was right next to Grand Central right next to Grand Central. It was my first project right out of college. I get my job and I'm working with Heather O'Sullivan at that time. Oh. And um, Love Heather. that was my, and it was a joint job between the Chicago and the Dallas office. And um, it was so cool to be, you know, 23 years old, traveling to Manhattan. Um, there was very, there was a great budget on that project. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were able to do some really awesome things in those suites. 
and I just sort of felt, I mean, how cool, right? Like you've spent the past how many years studying this and you're lucky enough to get a job when you graduate. Not only am I making a paycheck, but I'm getting sent to Manhattan and I get to hang out at like this iconic property with, you know, no budget almost on this project. It was like, pinch me constantly. And um, working with Heather. And working with Heather, who is oh, fantastic. And yeah. um, so it was such an awesome uh, mold for me as I started my design career. Okay, so that's so that's your favorite. And then I, like you've worked on so many really great projects, but as far as when you're working on the projects, you're designing them, you're, you're in your creative space. How did you try to, how did you start seeing that you, you didn't have to live in this one bucket and you could do other things? I think yeah. you mentioned that, uh, that that happened in Hawaii, but like walk us through that, like, okay, so you're on a road, but you're not stuck on a road. There's not, there's never a path you can't get off. So how, how did you navigate that? Yeah. Um, so I, I really have to attribute that mostly to, to Jim Looney and John Nelson, you know, they have been, um, the biggest, not the biggest, but he, I mean, huge supports of my career. If I told them I wanted to do something, they were like, okay, how do we make you, how do we make this happen? Um, part of that was, uh, you know, I was ready for a change after two and a half years of working in the Chicago office. Um, I think that most young designers or newly careered designers feel that itch, right? Like, okay, I've been doing this for a little bit of time. Let me see something else. Um, and so I, I, voiced that or vocalized that uh, that need. And they were like, okay, well, why don't you just come to Dallas then, right? So it's not going looking outwards. It's how can we um, help you internally fulfill that that goal of yours? Um, and so every time I kind of, I think, have initiated that, that itch or that, that conversation of like, okay, I'm kind of looking for something a little bit different or I'm really enjoying this. Um, they've always been so receptive to, okay, how can we make that work? Like, let's figure this out. Um, the only one I did not ask for was Hawaii. That was a weird one. Uh, I had expressed interest earlier. We were doing some international work. Uh, I was young. I was single. Uh, it was uh, China. The good old days. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> um, and I told them, I was like, you know, if you're looking for somebody who needs to be in China every 30, 90 days or something, like, I'd be interested in learning more about that opportunity. And they were like, okay, we'll keep that in mind. And then um, about six months later, Jim called me and I was 26, I think at the time. So that was still a big deal, right? To have Jim Looney calling you personally, right? Like, um, and I answered the phone and he goes, so I want to talk to you. Would you be interested in moving to Hawaii? <laughs> and I said, to do what? <laughs> like, what does one do in Hawaii? Um, and they explained we had this fantastic repositioning of the Marriott Wailea with our client um, Sunstone. And the, uh, it was a pretty extensive renovation and repositioning of the resort spanning a couple of years. And they were looking for somebody to be local. And uh, because I'd expressed interest previously in having a little adventure, I guess, they thought, you know, Molly might be the right person for this. Um, so I did it. We did it. My, my husband went with me at the time, and um, we ended up being there for three years. Originally, it was a two-year commitment, uh, added on another year. It was just me initially in a two-bedroom apartment with a bunch of samples. Uh, mm -hmm. It grew to uh, five designers, and I found us an office space. And um, 
nobody really knew who Looney and Associates was out there unless they had worked on the mainland or really were familiar with some of our work. We had done a couple of projects out there before, um, but uh, I really got to know the community there and the hospitality space there and the design space there. Um, and it was fantastic. It was really a great opportunity. Yeah, I feel like from the times that I saw you out there, I don't want to misuse the Hawaiian language, but like, I feel like you really became part of or created an ohana. Is that ohana? Like it's family, family right? Yes. Um, Hawaii is so wonderful about that. You know, it, I was uh, I was immediately kind of enveloped in uh, into that community. And there were some people there who were just so great at folding me into that hospitality space and guiding, right? Like, oh, if you don't know this person, you need to know them, or you need to be involved with this organization, or you need to be involved with this organization. And I think that that is really just the the way of Hawaii, right? Like they mm. want it to be, it's all about connection. It's all about people. It's all about supporting other people, um, lifting everybody up, uh, enveloping them, making them part of, like you said, that your ohana, your community there. Totally. Okay. So most people, when they go to Hawaii or if they have the, if they're lucky enough to have lived in Hawaii for a couple mm -hmm. of years, it's oftentimes very hard to get them off any of the islands to come back to the mainland. So like, how did you then carry on to your journey from still like opening an office, designing projects, and now you're like, okay, I'm making my, my way back to the mainland. Um, it was hard. Hawaii's fantastic. Um, it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, we were very fortunate. We had great friends and a great community there. Uh, my husband and I are both originally from Michigan, as I mentioned earlier. And um, with, you know, the immediate, everybody listening to this is probably thinking, oh my God, Hawaii, that's such a wonderful, amazing, beautiful place. How do you leave? Like you just asked. Um, there are some hurdles and challenges with living there that until you're experiencing it, you don't realize that they exist. Mm -hmm. um, it's six hours, certain times of the year between Hawaiian time and Eastern, uh, where most of our family is. So if I didn't talk to my mom by two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, you're not necessarily talking to them mm. that day. Um, it's far to go anywhere. You know, every, any flight within five hours is another island or beach vacation, which after a time they start to kind of look a little similar. Um, right. So it started to be like, okay, it would be nice to, you know, go away for a weekend for a ski trip or a mountain vacation or, you know, something like that. Um, and, you know, there is a expense with living in Hawaii that mm. um, we just weren't necessarily prepared to, commit to for the rest of our life or for a considerable uh, continuation of our life. Mm -hmm. So we thought it's kind of time to get back to reality and, you know, live, live somewhere with less picturesque uh, circumstance, I guess. So, that, okay. So then, so then you're like, okay, I got to talk to mom more. It's hard to go and do other things, but I love it here. You come back and then where are you? <laughs> Um, we could go anywhere. We could go to, uh, Jim was totally open. Like I said, he's always been so supportive and encouraging. Um, but where, where did you go? Did you go to Chicago or back to Dallas? To Dallas. We came okay, to Dallas. So then you're in Dallas. And then were you, you were working on projects and then how did the change come to do, uh, get into business Global development? Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So I was already doing it in Hawaii, um, to grow the brand out there. Uh, pretty significantly and to win jobs. And, you know, there was expectations of if that office was to continue, uh, you know, I had to do what I needed to do to help 
make that happen. Um, and I enjoyed it. I liked I liked that sense of community. I really like people. I enjoy getting to know people and making connections and partnering with people. You know, um, hospitality jobs last so long that when you work with a client, it's really you, you have to understand that you're taking on a partnership mm-hmm. um, and want to work with that person for the next two, three, four, five, however long years. Um, and so developing those relationships and those partnerships were, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. And so Jim and I talked about it. Um, he was happy with the work I was doing out there. And he said, you know, I'd like to see you do this in a capacity globally for the company. Um, and so when I came back, we'd, we'd never had, he's never employed a business development person in any of his studios. Okay. So that's super interesting because there are a lot of firms well, most larger firms have some business development um, capacity, right? And yep. and, and indiv- individuals or a team doing it. Um, what do you think, like, as being, I guess it's like earning your stripes, so to speak, as a designer, like, what advantages does that give you or someone else that may be considering, do I switch into something that's more... Uh, client focus on the business development side, like mm-hmm. as a designer, how, how, how does that help you when you're trying to uh, find clients and secure projects and, and keep the, the machine running? I mean, frankly, I don't know how anybody who, and I know there are people and they just are amazing at their jobs, but I don't know how anybody who doesn't have a design or architecture background could sell architecture or design to the level that, you know, I think I need to. Uh, my understanding of schedules, deliverables, model room process, uh, interaction with purchasing agents, vendors, different consultants, um, how new construction works, how our technology around BIM and uh, 3D and what we're doing internally is driving uh, scheduled and deliverables, uh, expectations from brand, you know, what Marriott expects from us at different levels of phasing. Uh, how to advise clients on, you know, what that takes from our end and what it takes from their end and approvals. And um, it's a lot. I I would say that my 10 plus years in design before I stopped designing completely and really dedicated to BD um, are what make me successful at my job, because I don't know how else I would be able to feel confident and comfortable um, and honest, talking to a lot of our clients and um, helping to navigate the process for them and how we would work with them. You know, that's a big, like I said, it's a partnership. So it's talking about our strengths and how we want to work with people and, you know, what your experience is when you work with us. And um, I can speak to that firsthand because I've been doing it for Jim for, you know, 10 yeah, years. Yeah, and you can probably sketch on the back of a napkin a little bit better than I can as well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or a lot better. No, wow. um, okay. So let, let's go back to Michigan State. And actually, beyond just Michigan State, let's go back to like any design school out there. So it could okay. be Pratt, it could be Michigan State, SCAD, blah, blah, blah. I feel like I'm leaving people out on the West Coast. Give me a couple West Coast ones. Oh, West Coast schools? Uh, design schools? We don't recruit a ton from West Coast design schools. Um we get a lot from Arkansas. We've got a couple interns coming from Mississippi State, Chaminade in Hawaii. That's where we recruit from out there. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, West Coast. I'm just having yeah. like a an almost 50 
Not that we wouldn't mental, work mental on the issue. West Coast. West Coast. No, I know. I get it. I did. I did. I don't want to leave you guys. I don't want to leave you guys out on the West Coast. But let's just say any design. If you were to take all those design students and like assemble them in a mm -hmm. stadium somewhere, let's say there's a hundred thousand of them currently. How many of them, based on your experience and your peers, and even and even just you, would get a degree in design thinking that oh yeah, I want to get into business development? Oh yeah. Uh, probably very few, I would imagine. I didn't know I wanted to do this, right? Like, right. <laughs> so I'm I, all I, about I, the design drive, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, and that's what I find really, I don't know, just kind of surprising and cool that I just, mm -hmm. I'd love to just shed light on for others because, okay, so if there, if there's only those couple of fewer, if, if you talk to everyone else that was not those one or two people out of the hundred thousand, like, what do you think? the best part of your current responsibility and role um, would be intriguing to those 99,000 and other people. And obviously not all of them are going to get into it, but like if you were to like just plant a seed that you could turn on a light in, in their head that says, mm -hmm. oh, I want to try that out. Well, I think the thing that has been so awesome to me is, you know, I was preparing for this podcast and kind of reflecting on the last 13 years. Um, I've found strengths within myself that I didn't necessarily know existed. Mm. And I was able and encouraged um, by, you know, Jim and, and John and other colleagues to pursue them. And I think uh, if you have 100,000 people in a stadium all being driven by design and you all want to be a fantastic designer, you, you, you can't all be the best designer, right? You can't all be the leadership uh, designer for a firm? Mm. And how are you finding ways to contribute to leadership and to contribute to your company and to contribute um, to your colleagues and your peers and helping them grow and supporting their strengths in ways that you find um, successful or, you know, that really provide you with a sense of self. Mm. And that's the thing that I really love about how, um, I've seen my career evolve over the last 13 years is um, I've always, you know, enjoyed people and like people. And I think, you know, Dan, when you and I met, what, God, 10 years ago, probably when I was living uh, yeah. in Chicago, um, you know, I've always been a relationship person. I've always loved getting to know everybody. And I didn't realize that I could turn that into my job. Mm. Um, you know, obviously it's not all just shaking hands and kissing babies. There is a lot of um, strategic thinking and, um, paperwork side of this that uh, has its, you know, it's not all fun and games, but um, it's still challenging in a great way and encouraging. And I would just, I would love to encourage young designers to, you know, don't just move through your career or start your career with one ultimate target in mind. Be open to, you know, where your strengths take you and the things that, and be, you know, focused on what do you really enjoy in the process? You know, we've got some designers here who don't like concept design. They hate it. They don't want to do it. They love to execute design. They love matrices and um, counts and shop drawings. And, you know, some people are like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. I'd never want to do that. But others mm -hmm. thrive in it. Um, and it's okay to say that, right? Like, it's okay to say that's not my, that's not my jam. I would really rather do this. Um, so don't feel the pressure, I guess, to just feel like you have to be this, there's a singular goal with getting a design degree. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. If you look at all of the different um, roles and responsibilities of designers in design firms, or it actually it could be just any profession. Um, and if you were to take a blank piece of paper and draw a line down it and be like, these are the things I like on the left side. These are the things I don't like. Okay, so you can always try and do more of the things that you like. But the amazing thing that I don't think a lot of people understand is that whole column of the things you don't like, there are people that would fall all over themselves to do that because, you know, they love the detail and getting lost in the puzzle, like you mm -hmm. were saying, on, on just not the, con not the conceptual, but on the other side. And I, I just think it's a really important um, idea to keep in mind that it's, and sometimes those things that we don't like, that it, it's, it's, I, I always say it's like touching a hot stove, right? Sometimes, yeah, it could be painful at first, but it, that can be more informative to where your career goes. Oh, yeah. Than the things that you do like, because you're like, whoa, I just do not want to go and do that again. <laughs> and we've all, we've all had that. But just know that there's always someone else that really excels at that. Yes. And that's what makes a really strong team. And it, it shouldn't threaten you or you know, challenge you. It's, it's okay. How do I find those right people to help complement me mm -hmm. so that we can really make a fantastically strong team and deliver, you know, a great project or a product or, you know, recruit a fantastic team of designers. You know, if you're part of the leadership team or how do we find new business? You know, there's certain things or certain clients that I work well with. And then there's others that I know, Hey Jim, that's going to be your, you got to finesse that relationship, right? Like, yeah. And understanding. I, I that. bet there's so many people that just don't like you, Molly. <laughs> but, you know, the allure of Jim Looney is strong, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just joking. I mean, I, but you're right. It, it, being part of a larger team and having that specialization, you can, it's, it, it's a team. You can pass it off. Hey, this one's a challenge. You take that. Oh, I, I like this one. I'll go after that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, especially to all the younger folks that are listening, folks, I sound like my dad. Oh my God. <laughs> But like, I wasn't going to say anything, but yes, <laughs> you know, like the, uh, I so, uh, uh, a woman who's in grad school right now that Shannon Mc, McCurdy, I think her name is Shannon McCurdy. She's at University of Arkansas. She just reached out saying she started listening to this when she started at graduate school um, and she's still listening to it. So like and I get a lot of feedback from people who are just starting out on their career and also yeah. Jim. And I'm also curious if she found out about it because of the scholarship that Jim has at University yeah. of Arkansas. Jim's so, a. Arkansas grad and we pull, we have a handful of Arkansas grad employees now and um, he has yeah. a scholarship there for study abroad. But I, so I, in a way I know like the audience today are all those people who are starting out on, on their career journey, just really thinking about, okay, this is what you're studying. This is what you're doing, but there's so much more that you can do. Um, Molly, I want to go back to, I, I saw you light up a little bit when you started talking about technology a few minutes ago, um, oh. as far as like what you're, what you're bringing to clients and what you're seeing and how you've seen it change. Um, what are you, how do you see the state of technology in, in kind of like what, what you guys do for your deliverables? Uh, I think you said something about renderings and, and things like that, mm -hmm. but like, how have you seen it change over those 13 years and like what's working well right now and where do you see it going? Yeah. Um, and what, and, and what are your clients expecting? Yeah. Well, that's a big one. Um, I do have to say this, this is something that's really funny. I graduated from Michigan State and uh, I did a lot of Revit work during my degree. 
and I got my job with Looney and it was really before Revit or BIM had moved into the hospitality space. And I remember somebody um, I was working with at the time was like, oh, we'll never need that. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> and I have to laugh now because um, I would say probably 70% of our work right now is new construction mm. um, and it's all in BIM. And I am so impressed. Um, I have nothing to do with our development in that area. Uh, I just get to watch the teams that grow it. And I'm so impressed with um, what we've accomplished as a company. Uh, we work completely in the um, like BIM space out of the Dallas, out of all three offices, actually. And um, We've brought on a couple of key team members in the past couple of years to develop our 3D. You know, we're doing a lot of in-house rendering now, uh, mm -hmm. sketching and, and really studying spaces before we move into the later DD phases, which is fantastic. Um, it's just impressive to see how quickly, you know, clients are expecting things so fast. That's been the biggest challenge that we're um, a hurdle, mm -hmm. I should say that we're navigating as a company. And you know, they want to see what it looks like right away. Uh, and so moving into that 3D space so quickly has been really valuable for us as a firm um, and helped, you know, keep up with that expectation of, or that pace expectation, I should say. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of more, there's a lot of decision makers these days. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like every time we go to a model room, there's more people in that room uh, contributing to the, to the comments. Um, yes. <laughs> and so moving into 3D allows us to get design in front of the people who need to see it um, and visualize it in ways. Because, you know, not all of them are trained in design. A lot of mm. these um, owners or clients are maybe finance guys, right, who haven't learned how to read a floor plan necessarily, um, who don't know what a section detail is telling them. So having those 3D views right away really helps us get the design point across quickly and fast. So I, I have a question. So on the 3D side, like when you're at that initial, like when you're in the concepting phase and you're, mm -hmm. at, at what point do you provide a rendering actually to your client? Uh, depends on the project. Um, sometimes we do it uh, in concept, right? Okay. Uh, sometimes so in concept, we'll build it out. So let's start there. So if you're doing it in concept, are you, how do you ever have a check or a, a balance on like, okay, here's a con here's a concept for some big, huge lobby space, mm -hmm. uh, big, massive atrium with some kind of interesting feature. Um, when you're at that concept space, are you putting like dollar sign or dollars on any of those larger features so that you can not go too far down the road of like, oh crap, we did this whole thing and now we got to pull back and it kind of changes everything. How do you, how do you uh, balance budget and your vision at a very, very, very early stage? Yeah, I want to clarify when we do those really early concept renderings, they mm -hmm. are, they're, they're build outs, right? So it might be to study the volume of a space or a, like, a, like you said, a very significant feature. Um, so it's not those super developed marketing renderings that you see once we've completed our DD phase. Um, they do have, you know, enough information in them to start mm -hmm. portraying some ideas, but they're not super built out. Um, so when we do that, I mean, this is another thing that I think um, 
has been drilled into our teams, especially in that lately with VE and COVID and supply chain issues, we are very quick to start putting a budget together or we call it a cost estimate. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't put budgets together, we put together cost estimates. We love working with purchasing agents, um, getting them on board as quickly as possible and just start doing some square foot, um, you know, space budgeting. What are we mm -hmm. expecting for the lobby? What are we expecting for the pre-function? So we're we're looking at those numbers alongside design from day one. That's that's awesome. And actually, as you're saying that, um, I'm reminded of a time when you and I, and a couple I, I don't know there were a couple other people from Hawaii, some other folks, and Ted Carroll were sitting there in yeah. Las Vegas, right? Yes. I think it was Daniel Ber Daniel or Aaron Berman. Maybe Brady was there. Brady was there. I think Craig Lovett was there with us for a little bit too. Yeah, and totally, Craig was there. Yeah. Wow. Okay, now I'm, I'm back there. Okay, so then, what was interesting about that, and one of the things that I found, and it's not it's not only you, but I think you do a really good job of this from a from a documentation and um, just overall package of details. It makes the whole process much easier for all of the consultants on a project, right? Yeah. And in doing that, I remember Ted was saying like, he loves working with you guys because you know, you make it so easy and that, granted nothing's easy, but I, but what he clarified, I think he said, oh, nothing's easy, but really it just helps us all be so much more streamlined and in alignment on a project so that time being the most valuable asset for everyone, there's not as much wasted time. Yes. And do you get that feedback a lot? We do. I mean, it's, frankly, it's what makes my job easy, uh, easy to sell us, right? Mm. Um, we're organized. Uh, these are all things that I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm out of that space now. I just get to brag on everybody I work with. Um, yeah, I mean, we are thorough and it's great. And it makes my job easy because I can say that, you know, we're going to be able to do this and we're going to be able to do this in this period of time. And I feel confidence um, in our capabilities. And it's mm. it's awesome. It really is. Well, I, I can just speak, speak from my experience on the on the few projects that we've worked together on. I, I can say yes, that that is the case as well. well and you. okay, so then, but that was a little digression, but then and a nice memory to walk down to be in Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I never. We'll be there again a, in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, that was a very pleasant. I, it's not very often you have these really pleasant moments in Las Vegas, or it's more <laughs> it's more frantic. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, that was really a nice afternoon. But you said something a few minutes ago also that was like, oh, you know, we're all getting so busy, right? And, and, and as it related to technology. And I remember, like, I'll date myself to when I was a purchaser or when I was interning at, a, at a Hirsch Bedner like 20-something years ago. I just remember everyone would have to do draw like drawings and things uh -huh. would get faxed and there'd be FedEx tubes going everywhere. Oh and it just seemed to me that people would work on less projects, but kind of go deeper into them because it wasn't as fast and you could, there was like a pause between each one. I found that like as good as the technology in is with all the efficiencies that are coming in, it's cramming so much more into everyone's daily workflow. Yes, yes. <clears throat> we actually talk about this, about limiting the number or, or you know, reducing the breadth of numbers of projects people are working on because mm -hmm. it's just so hard to pivot your head right from 
project to project or fire to fire or whatever, you know, it's with the squeaky wheel. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that's something that we really, um, our goal, we try to be more intentional about is how, how wide are people being spread? But it is hard. It's really hard. And it's not just at work too, right? At home. I think that was one of the, the nicer things to come out of COVID was those couple months where everybody could just sort of like back off, like foot mm -hmm. off the pedal a little bit more and um, not have to overcommit to everything. Uh, and it was kind of a good reset, I think, for people to recognize like, hey, like, let's stop trying to do too many things. Let's try to focus on doing a couple things really well or intentionally. I, I, I totally agree. That pause was a silver lining in in the COVID experience. We'll just call it that, the COVID experience. <laughs> the COVID experience, yes. <laughs> Everything, just the brakes hit. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so on the technology side, like what, like what are some other things that you're seeing um, that's just radically different from the 13 years ago when you were still in school? Oh gosh. Um, design is more, is more intricate. I think I don't want to say more complicated, but, um, design IQ has really risen, I think. Mm. And, um, expectations of, you know, we are doing so much more interior architecture and collaboration with the architects. Um, sometimes we've even started adding a, a phase before we get brought on for concept design that is really kind of a consultation with the architects on programming mm -hmm. new spaces or programming the building and um, providing that hospitality lens. I mean, that, that's another one, Hospital the hospitality lens, right? Like, that we are hospitality experts and people wanting that, um, that consultation or that, that lens on their projects that might not even be hospitality. You know, we won a gold key in November for a senior living project in Houston. Um, five years ago we weren't working on senior living so um that's been a, a fun way to see hospitality evolve into a, an emerging market i know we're not the only ones right um but there's others we're doing more club work we're doing you know we have the um, university club of chicago a social club there we're working on the dallas country club right now um so there's a handful of we're doing a, a surf club in palm springs um yeah a surf club a surf club that's okay. in the desert is it like one of those big wave pools or something yeah mm -hmm. oh, it's wow. an old like uh it's an old water park that we're converting to a to a surf club no way yeah so it's interesting to see um a hospitality lens you know jim is acting we're working on a project in brevard north carolina uh it's a new concept um brevard i guess is one of the top mountain biking destinations in the world and so people come there to train um, from Europe and other parts of the, like it's a serious destination. Um, and so this concept is, um, you know, capitalizing on that that tourism angle. Well, I think with that hospitality lens, it's come up so many times in these conversations, and I think that's also why the popularity of the podcast keeps growing every week because I think people realize that hospitality touches everything. And it yes. and actually, if you take all the best practices from what you guys have developed as hospitality designers, because it's always changing, people are always changing, culture is always changing. It it can just make everyone's experience that much better. Mm -hmm. 
and it's really exciting. The senior living thing is really interesting too. I feel like I've been waiting for that shoe to drop for 20 years. There's been this like huge demographic baby boomer shift that's been coming. And when you look at so much of the senior living, it's just all like very like institutional and really upsetting and not about healing at the end of your life. Yeah. Or the later years of your life. Right. There's yeah. There's very little like healing and wellness associated to it. But now there's like a couple of green shoots in that space and it's kind of a wide open, a wide open uh, field right now. And it's, it's really exciting to see because I think like the baby boomers deserve that. Right. I think all anyone who's aging deserves that at the, um in in the uh as they go out to pasture slowly <laughs> well in that joy right like i think that that's what i felt like some of those spaces were missing initially is the the joy of that life right it's just kind of like oh that's that place you go and now it's like oh no this is where i want to be i en- i enjoy this place i like it here i like totally. the people here and creating places for people in that point of their life is is rewarding yeah um so as you look out into the future, as far as like your 13 years, you're also, mm-hmm. it's also very um, unique that you've been at one company for 13 years yes. as a, as a millennial, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's not, you're like very, uh, you're like a salmon going upstream, right? Yeah. It's, pre- it's pretty cool. So, <laughs> uh, but as you look to the future, like what's exciting you most, uh, as you, as you look out there onto the horizon? Um, you know, I'm really, uh, motivated by the, the people that I work with right now. And um, I feel like the team, the leadership team we have here, and not just the leadership team, but, you know, we've cultivated a great tribe of folks across all three offices. And I think the other awesome thing um, that has happened to our firm in the past couple of years is we're working more globally together, as opposed to really sort of siloed across the three studio locations. Um, So I'm really excited to see how this team uh, continues to work together over the next couple of years um, and learn to depend on each other even more, Mm. which has been um, a fun development so far for me to see how our team has really kind of strengthened over the past, over the COVID experience is what I'm going to, we're going to call it now, right? Yeah. Um, The COVID experience. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think that also just sort of this, finding this work-life balance has been, you know, something that I think we're all striving for. And um, it's something that I'm prioritizing how I, you know, I don't think it's, I think we all view it sort of as two sides of a coin and you have to have it always flipped one or the other. Um, And I'm really trying to understand how I can have it be something that's a more consistent. um, It's not just one or the other, right? It's how do I sort of find the balance between the two without having to shut one off or the other off. Mm. Um, so those are the two things that I think are, are challenging me and exciting me at the same time. Um, and I am really excited to see how Looney and Associates continues to move into spaces, how I can sell us, sell design, right? Um, for spaces we're not doing right now. Um, how that hospitality lens adapts to, you know. For a second there, I thought you were going to say, I'm excited to see how Looney and Associates moves into space. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I mean, we can do that too, right? <laughs> Designing rockets. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know if I'm ready for that yet. Um, uh, but yeah, no, those are the things that I'm kind of, um, like we said, things are moving so quickly that it's hard to catch up with, you know, 
predict what's next, right? Because somebody could call us tomorrow and be like, we need you to design a plane. Okay, let's do that. Which yeah. somebody did do that recently. And give me a ride on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, cool. So now I also want to say thank you for painting that picture of you and however that Southern Living magazine wound up in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, that's cool. That's a whole other episode. That's yeah. a whole other episode that I want to... I want to get into at some point. Um, but going downstairs as a little girl, like, and, and building the interiors out of what you saw with Lego, um, if the Molly that I'm speaking to right now, having not stayed in one lane and gone, taken the path less taken, let's say, um, what advice do you have for your younger self? It all works out. Stay, you know, stay, stay focused and, and be you, but it all works out. Right. Cause I do, I do think that when I was younger and I first graduated, I was really trying to prove myself in a way that probably wasn't, um, aligned with my strengths. And it's kind of like forcing a, you know, round peg in a square hole. Um, and I was very unsure of myself and I didn't have that confidence. And, um, I kind of wish I could go back and shake that person a little bit and be like, you're fine. Chill out. Like, it's going to be okay. So I think that that's part of what um, I would also say is just, just, it's okay. Chill out. <laughs> I love that. It's okay. Chill out. Well, and also, so, yeah. And I, and I, I think that's why I love that, that question so much, especially for the reason why I wanted to talk to you today, like I said, is like, just to give all those up and comers just a, a wider view of yes. like what you can do with design and it always does work out and that line of the paper of what you like and what you don't like mm -hmm. sometimes the don't like is more informative than the like and just the the point is is that don't be siloed in my opinion like try yeah. as many things as you can and the opportunity like you said if you chill out and just like try as much as you can it will help shorten your journey or whoever's journey towards finding out what they like doing and finding their true path and their authentic being living within their authentic self and, and values. Mm -hmm. And, and viewing those challenges, you know, sometimes you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I have to deal with this. Or, or this is my challenge right now. And then you come out of it and you're like, Oh wow, that's what led me to where I am right now. And if I hadn't had, if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't be here on this side of it. Right. Where it's really like, where I need to be and where I should be. Totally. Um, and, and there's always another side. Yes. There's always another side. Um, so if anyone wanted to get in touch with you and learn more about you or Looney, like what's the best way for them to do that? Um, LinkedIn, or you can email me at Molly M at Looney and associates or Looney hyphen associates.com. Great. And we'll put that in the, in the show notes as well. Um, Molly, I just want to say mahalo. <laughs> well, thank mahalo you. to you, Dan. Thank you. And thank you for uh, making me feel a part of your Ohana, always, since we first sweet. met, however long ago that was. Well, um, I, I would like to say the same thing, because, you know, you kind of shepherd a, a, a young designer into the world of of this wild world that we live in. So, and it's been well, fun. I do want to say this. It has been awesome to me to watch your journey into yeah. the podcast realm and grow here and um, the success you've had with it. It's, it's really impressive. 
Well, I think, you know, after this conversation, I can think I just took a lot of advice from you of just not staying in a lane, just try as many things as you like. And I'm, you know, approaching 50 and like, there's still so much more to be done and so much more to be experienced. So if in any way, if I, I I think in the way that you said that I would, I shepherded you or whatever that was, thank you. But I'm just kind of paying it forward because I had some really great mentors who took an interest in me and kind of pulled me along and let me experience our wild, crazy world of hospitality design. And, and, uh, I think the more that we can all do that. And again, speaking to all the, the, the kids out there or the, or the people early in their, in their careers, like just ask, put yourself out there and people, people, people will see you and recognize you and bring you along for a really cool ride. So Molly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I've loved being here and talking with you. Awesome. And also to all those listeners, young, old, but mostly the young today, um, I appreciate you guys so much. And the feedback that we get um, is just amazing. And uh, we grow every week. So if this changed the way you think about hospitality, please pass it along. Uh, Please follow, please like, please subscribe, whatever all those things that everyone says after those YouTube videos, do it. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.